Hello, dear listeners. It's Beth from the media team. I'm breaking the fourth wall today to ask for your prayers for Mother Natalia, whose grandmother Roberta passed away. You'll hear a little about Roberta in today's episode, which was recorded before she died. Please pray for Roberta, Mother Natalia, and Mother Natalia's family. Hello, dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Hello, listeners. This is Father Michael. Today is Mother Natalia's episode. Um, she is talking about uh, true compassion, um, how that means to suffer with others, to passion with others. She uh, tells the story about her grandmother who's suffering greatly, and we discuss how the witness of our Christianity um, comes into play in how we perceive what true compassion, mercy, tolerance is, and uh, what side of that relationship um, it is better to be upon based upon our understanding of Christ. We also do a mini topic from Kyle about ecumenism, especially with the Protestants, and we discuss also um, what I did not understand at first, and Mother had to correct me on, on the concept of personal relationship not with Christ, but but um, in the beginnings of that dialogue with each other and what that means. Uh, we had some technical difficulties in the beginning, so we're not quite sure once this is edited um, how much banter there will be. But if, if the full thing is in, it's about 9 minutes and 50 seconds. Um, but you probably don't want to do that because you'll probably be a few minutes into the topic already. So this, you may actually need to listen to the banter this time. Sorry, not sorry. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. Oh, you like paused for a second. I mean, it like froze for a second and I thought that you weren't responding, oh. but then you did. Um, hi, Father Michael. I am. I invented a new liturgical season between Theophany <laughs> and the great, the pre-Lent where we just do not answer greetings. <laughs> the greeting is silence. And there's a, a very deep, deep spiritual reason for that that I'm going to come up with in a second. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, we also, why didn't you say glory? To, why didn't you say glory to him forever, mom? Because I thought it was Christ is baptized. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've already had the leave taking it, 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 baptism. It was like two days ago. <laughs> I know you're doing you're doing great, mom. Um, so my mom is here sitting in, um, probably not participating much, if at all. But uh, she's sitting in. So the um, yeah, Father Michael, do you have any idea where we are? The answer is no. You're in your elementary school that you went to <laughs> when you were a kid. I'm not. Uh, also, the, oh, the okay. response you to that would are... be, which one? <laughs> <laughs> you are in Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we are, we're in New York, but we're in Buffalo, New York. Uh, so oh. I was supposed to, I just finished up my home visit. And I was supposed to drive home yesterday, but then a couple of the nuns got sick. And so I pushed my home visit back a day. So I'm driving home today instead. And my mom wanted to come to Ohio for a week. So she came with me on the drive. And um, so, yeah, but we already had this recording scheduled and you very kindly offered to cancel it, but I didn't want to fall behind and then have to catch up. And so I was like, let's just do it anyways. And I was planning on like, hunkering down in a service area and <laughs> just uh, like setting up huh. a studio in the trunk of the SUV. And then I was like, hey, 
I have a friend in Buffalo, which is like halfway, and maybe we can just record there. So shout out to Olivia, who is a listener and a friend, and she teaches at a Catholic school, like a um, classical education school in Buffalo, and she was like, yeah, sure, you can use one of our classrooms. So that's where we are. The chalkboard behind you is so clean. I know. Like, go Catholic schools. Yeah. There's not 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 any chalk smudges on it. It's just like pure green. I thought it was actually wallpaper at first. I know. It matches your sweater. Did you say that? It does. I did. Yeah. I actually said that when you cut out. So I thought that's what you were saying as some. we cut out, but I wasn't sure. Um, so I actually said it matches my sweat, but then it cut out. <laughs> that's what you heard. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, shout out also to, uh, so shout out to Chesterton Academy, I think is what it's called. Did you just hear the school bells? That was awesome. I did. Uh, and <laughs> oh, yeah, Chesterton Academy of Buffalo. It's on my mom's coffee mug. They gave us coffee and tea for recording. That was sweet. Um, uh-huh. They were like, do you want coffee or tea? And I was like, I've had way too much coffee today. Uh, I'll take coffee. Um, <laughs> and yeah. Shout out to them. Shout out also to Cecilia, a.k.a. Cece, who is Olivia's little sister, who moved in with Olivia and goes to school here. So she teaches her sister. That's fun. And oh, probably cool. also very confusing for both of them at times. So, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Cecilia admitted that. Uh, so Cecilia is also a podcast listener. Uh, she used to be forced to listen to the podcast because Olivia would just like play it when Cece was in the car or the room <laughs> oh. or whatever. Uh, but now she really likes it and chooses to listen to it. So. So my mother was the administrative assistant at the elementary school where all my nieces and nephews went, mm-hmm. and so they would call her Mrs. O'Loughlin, like just because <laughs> they. They didn't want to call her grandma because it was like everybody else called her Mrs. O'Loughlin. It's like the proper thing to do at school is to call her Mrs. O'Loughlin. I think the same thing happened with my sister-in-law who taught at that school. Um, although I'm guessing her kids just called her mom when they were in mm. her class. But that, I, it'd be interesting to see if they had to call literally call their own mom Mrs. O'Loughlin in class. What did we call – my mom used to – when we lived in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, my mom was a substitute teacher. And so she sometimes taught my brother and me. Do you, what did we call you? You guys called me mom, but the other kids called me Mrs. Olson. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which was which was funny because my mom. Um, can I tell the story about subbing for Brian? Sure. He, uh, <laughs> he, my brother fell asleep in class when my mom was subbing, um, and so she comes up and just like smacks him on the back of the head, <laughs> and, and he's like, "You can't do that. You're my teacher." And she's like, "I can. I'm your mom." And anyways. So it's pretty funny. Um, we do not condone child abuse. I want to say that on this podcast. But, Have you seen that video of the uh, the music, like the um, the teacher, the music school teacher who's conducting like the choir, but she's holding a Nerf gun in one hand while she conducts the choir, and then if, if someone just sings off, she just shoots him with the Nerf gun, <laughs> and it reminded me of of when I was in um, math class in high school and the teacher, we had these things, most of the listeners I imagine are too young, but they had these overhead things where they would put like a, a piece of film and then the light reflected up and so you could you could look at the projected, oh whatever gosh. the teacher was writing on was projected on the wall. And, and, and he would use a, a squirt bottle to kind of clean it off. But he would keep it there, so if anybody fell asleep, they would get squirted with the squirt bottle, like in a, in a direct shot in there whilst they were sleeping. So I like that better than the Nerf gun. Nerf gun, you could 
hit an eyeball or something like that with the squirt gun is you just kind of get them so that they wake up <laughs> very hilariously just because it was dead time. So I'm going to tell my favorite joke, the one that I've told before when there's a pause. So you guys know what this is. There was one time I got walking through a forest and he came upon a massive hole in the ground and he couldn't see the bottom of it. So he picked up a pebble and he threw the pebble into the hole in the ground and he didn't hear it hit the bottom. So he went and got a bigger rock and he walked over and hurled this bigger rock down the hole and he couldn't hear it at the bottom. So finally he found this massive boulder and he rolled the boulder to the edge of the hole and he rolled the boulder down into the hole and then he just waited to hear and he didn't hear it at the bottom, but all of a sudden this goat comes running by and just jumps down the hole. And he's like, what the heck? And he's, he's questioning why this goat jumped down the hole. And all of a sudden this farmer comes along and goes, did you see a goat? He's like, yeah, this goat just came running by and jumped down this massive hole. And the farmer goes, oh, that couldn't have been my goat. My goat was tied to a boulder. <laughs> They're back. Can, you can hear us now? Yes. Okay. Yes. Great. And actually, I'm seeing you. I'm seeing you move in real time too. Oh, good. Okay. We might just have to edit that whole chunk out. Um, so, <laughs> but I could like hear you. Anyways, my timestamp is. I think we just should edit this whole thing. But my timestamp is nine forty-seven. What's yours? Me, mine. Too. Okay, so we're probably okay. So I hope that's right. Okay. Yeah, that'll be a really awkward thing right in the middle. Okay. Um, me laughing at you. <laughs> So we can, I don't know, we can figure out how to edit that later. But uh, anyways, we're back. What were we talking about? I heard everything you said about um, everything. Squirt guns and Nerf guns. and. I, I think it was just really like delayed because you were, you were reacting like very late. Yeah, I, well. But anyway, it's Maybe okay. it just took me a really long time to get the joke. The <laughs> <laughs> that would not be the first time. Not because of you, but because of my jokes. Uh huh. Um, so, one thing I want to say before I get to the actual topic was, uh, guess what podcast I listened to uh, on the way to Buffalo this morning? Um, you listened to Joe Rogan. No, I listened to What God Is Not oh. because it. I wasn't oh. on the show. Oh, the one you weren't on. The one of the okay. three. Yeah. Nice. Uh, one of the three. So the only one that came out now is Father Travis. Yeah. So which was really fun. Nice. I it's the first time I've ever listened to our podcast, uh, which was a fascinating <laughs> experience because it's like I heard the intro music and um, yep. it just was yeah. And I, I experienced what I'm sure a lot of our listeners do, uh, which they've shared with us before. But there were times that you guys were talking, and I was like, "Oh, I have this thing I want to add, but I just can't because I'm not on the show, <laughs> and I'm not used to that." So, <laughs> yep. So you guys did a really yeah, great was, job. Uh, it was a great episode. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was. It was a great topic. Um, of uh, wait, you don't remember it? It what it was? My topic. Yes, it was. No, I do. It was. I. I. I saw it on the post this morning. So it's when God. When God says no, we talked about other things, but that, that was the, when God's answer is no. I, I did ask him, you guys have heard it by now, but I, I asked him about, you know, how do you as a vocations director say no to somebody who wants to go to seminary? Mm -hmm. And yet you, in your, in your God-given duties, don't feel that that's 
the way that that person will be the most fruitful. So yeah, yeah, that was good. I I like it too because um, it's it's an important topic to be discussed. Uh, so that people realize that discernment of vocation within the church is not dependent only upon the person who is discerning. Like the church is also discerning. Yep. And, you know, when people, yep. we have we have women come to us sometimes who are just like, I've discerned a call to your monastery. Um, and we're like, great, that's a beautiful start. But like, we have to discern that too. Uh, so yeah. before just, you know, taking... You didn't unplug your phone. Okay, he's muted himself. Everything's fine. So, <laughs> oh, that was a cute little laugh. I just, I miss your face. I mean, I couldn't hear it. I just couldn't see it. <laughs> Anyways, but you and Father Travis did a really great job, and I enjoyed listening to it. So I wanted to thank you for that and give him a shout-out and all of that as well. So got a thumbs up. Okay, so I'd like to start with a mini-topic. And because a few listeners have sent in many topics who that's one of the benefits of being our uh, a patron of ours on uh, supporting our nonprofit Fotina. And so we'll talk about your topic for like 10 minutes. And we've only done that with one of them so far because we're, um, I don't know slackers, but uh, this person followed up. I'm a perfectionist. That's why. (laughs) That's on my end. It's true. It's like we get these and Father Michael's like, but that's such a good topic that I want to really research it before we talk about it. And today I was like, Father Michael, we're just talking about this one. Uh, (laughs) So poor Father Michael. I didn't give him the chance to do any research. But uh, we, so this is a mini topic from Kyle and who was good enough to actually follow up and be like, guys, when are you going to do this? And so good on you, Kyle. (laughs) And he says, I'd like to hear your thoughts on ecumenism, especially in practice for us laity, working and praying along with each other. And, you know, he, he had given his own thoughts, like a few different thoughts on the, on the topic. And one of them that I thought was really interesting because, oh, Father Michael, I need to break the mini topic for a second because I need to give a public apology yeah. and I'm starting it with you because I was on my friend Dr. Greg Bataro's podcast and I'm sure I messed up right in church again. And you've like so charitably corrected me on it, but like a hundred times. And I still, I oh. still did it because it's different in the, the different, difference it's and really churches. confusing because like in some instances, it's referred okay, so it's the Latin Rite and the Roman Church. Oh, that I don't know. Oh, I, ca- Cowboys told me, but I don't. I don't know. Oh, well, that's what I think I messed up. Okay, yeah, I, I I'd have to look it up. I that's one of those things about about my sister church that I expect people that are Roman to know certain things about the Byzantine churches, uh-huh. and I don't even know. But you would say the Byzantine the Rite and the Ruthenian Church. Yes. Yeah. Okay, then never mind. I didn't mess it up. That's Everything's correct. fine. Except okay. I maybe messed up the Latin okay. Roman thing. And if I did, I'm really sorry, you guys. Just, I'm really ignorant and please love me in my ignorance. Okay. Uh, but I think it's Latin, right? Moving on. So Kyle says, having totally separate, quote unquote, Sunday morning experiences seems like it would forever keep us Christians apart. Maybe coming together sometimes just without the Eucharist is enough, question mark. And... I think that's a really good point. And it's so it's one we've touched on before um, 
when we had like, I think we probably t- touched on it in the expanding the tent episode. And when we've talked about, I think uh, Pope Benedict, I almost said emeritus, but that doesn't, you don't say that anymore. Pope Benedict XVI, um, eternal memory. Uh, I think he's the one who talked about the court of the Gentiles uh, or maybe that might've been Pope Francis. But anyways, like talking about what is the modern day court of the Gentiles and, and you know, that, that place where people would go without entering, um, entering the temple itself. And I think that, so we've touched on that a little bit, but I think what I want to say about this, about just the concept of ecumenism and how do we like come together as Christians, both Catholic and non-Catholic, I think what it really comes down to is personal relationship. And, you know, I just think of like, whoa, I just saw a dog run outside at this school. I wonder if that belongs to someone. Uh, That was almost a literal squirrel. I really wish you had said (laughs) a a squirrel. squirrel. I know. I know, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So, dog, squirrel. Is that a deer? deer. (laughs) Is that a deer? (laughs) Deer. Not a dog. It's a deer. (laughs) Your mom just called you deer. (laughs) Aw, thanks, mom. (laughs) And so, anyways, so um, ecumenism. Because part of it is, you know, we have this problem and a lot of it is fostered, I think, by social media and by um, kind of like personalized news feeds and things like that, which we've talked about this before as well. But it's like we tend to associate with the people who already agree with us, uh, at least on the fundamental things such as religion. And we're not really mingling with the other people and we gravitate towards these groups and there's an importance to that. And, you know, the the church fathers, one of them, mm, I want to say it was, I think it's Diodocus who I just read recently, but it, it, but they talk about like surrounding yourself with uh, friends who make you a better Christian. And that's absolutely true. But then we're also supposed to be imitating Christ, right? Who's like, eating with the tax collectors and sinners and who is um, healing um, healing the Gentiles and things like that. And so there's this problem when we're totally enclosing ourselves uh, and there's all the nuance about like knowing your own weaknesses and not putting your place, putting yourself in a place that could be a near occasion of sin or putting yourself in a place of temptation and, and all of that. But there is, um, we need to also have friendships with those who aren't of the same beliefs as us in like, uh, in every way. And so, so anyways, thinking about this, this imitation of Christ, um, he didn't have like programs and protocol and these like systematic approaches, right? It was very much personal encounter. <laughs> it's like the the rich young man, um, <coughs> the rich young man. We read that Jesus, <coughs> looking at him, loved him. It's like this this personal encounter, and I think the same is true with our our Protestant brothers and sisters. Is it comes down to personal encounter and not just straight away like trying to like convert people through the liturgy, which that that is how some people will encounter Christ is through the liturgy. Um, I mean, we all do in an objective way, but 
that's not necessarily going to be the thing that that draws someone deeper right off the bat. And so I agree that it's important to come together in these ways outside of just the Eucharist, you know, um, Bible studies and uh, some of the like Christian groups on university campuses. Like I did a lot uh, when I was in college with, with crew. Um, there's also a fellowship of Christian athletes and uh, being able to, to associate. And I think just sharing, developing relationships in which you can share your heart and share the fruits of your prayer uh, and not just kind of like go over dogma. And those questions naturally arise, but it's very different when they arise from someone who knows that you love them versus someone with whom you don't have that foundation. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I really like the idea of, of a court of the Gentiles. I really do think that the ideal the ideal is to, we would just call that the narthex. The ideal is to say... Um, you know, there's a reason why our church historically literally locked out the people who were either penitents or who uh, were not yet baptized um, because there was very much an understanding of uh, the litany of the faithful, which comes um, after the uh, litany of catechumens, uh, the liturgy of the faithful, excuse me, that comes after the litany of catechumens, um, that comes right before the creed, um, there's a there's very much an understanding of what we're doing here is beyond intellectualism and it's beyond emotion. And so uh, those are the two worlds that we live in. Um, so we have to understand that that what what is experienced in the anaphora and the consecration, the reception of the Eucharist, all of that is something that is is beyond our human ability to to process and to understand and therefore is beyond our human ability to present. Um, to make manifest. And uh, therefore, there's, a, as many would say, a, a di- more direct experience of Jesus Christ, the Word of God, in, in the, that portion of the liturgy. And so if that's understood, I think we do need to go back, and I'm, I'm just I'm telling myself this, because we do have a significant number of penitents and, and one or two catechumens in my parish that, that I, that I would, would want to do this with, but there is a, a beauty to saying... You come for the the first half of the liturgy with the beautiful singing, with the with the word of God, with the preaching. All those things are common to our humanity, and you're you're going to get you're going to get evidence of beauty and truth and goodness all in that experience mm-hmm. in that first part. Um, now, I think the problem is is that our modern society people think that, and we don't want to do anything secret, you know. So there's a difference between not being able to process it, and being scandalized by something I can't understand because it's transcendent. Mm-hmm. And and then saying something is being hidden from you. You know, we, we hide nothing. Christ is 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 a light. He enlightens everything. So I think we we never want to restrict like we did for a while. Restrict non communicants from experiencing the entire liturgy. That's where kind of the narthex at the back of the church is. So we want to show like, we're not hiding anything. You can stay for the whole time if you want, you know, um, just so you can see that we're not hiding anything. We want to share this with you, but to, you need to be in communion, whether that's baptized or unbaptized, penitent or a catechumen, um, when it comes to this. So you, you need to be in that communion. Um, so there, that, that I think we need to take better advantage of than we have been now. And, I, and I've said that in the past. Um, and yes, the other things, the Bible studies, you know, I do think one thing about this though. I do think that when we, when we talk about ecumenical gatherings, I've been to a few of these, 
um, we tend to just what I would consider water down mm-hmm. everything so that it's all the same. Like let's only do things we agree on. Now, as important as I think it is to start with what is the same, what is similar, what we hold in common. Um, I don't think that's actually going to move anybody towards the truth. Mm-hmm. It's going to move. It's going to move people in general towards like friendship, and towards a desire to pray together and a desire to have a community. Like, th- and that's good stuff. But I don't think it's going to move anybody. I think, I think those those ceremonies, those rituals, should also involve a challenge. Mm-hmm. So that everybody is like John Chrysostom, right? Everybody is comforted by their community, but also challenged. Mm -hmm. And so I think the challenge is best embraced by saying, we're going to have, you know, four different churches here, maybe in four different churches that that are, that are um, in schism from each other. So they're not in union. And we're going to have these four churches and they're going to each for 15 minutes give us the best of what their church has to offer liturgically. Mm. So don't water it down. Don't, don't make it more like what everybody else is doing. Take the best of what you do, or even just say, we're going to do four Saturdays in a row and each church does its own liturgical Eucharistic service and do it up. Have the best choir, best preaching, best, best music, best readings, all these things. Just do it up so that there's a, we're not just saying, Oh, well, we can, this is not going to be offensive. No, be offensive, but but everybody that's there knows. <laughs> mm-hmm. They know that this is not them, and I I think that that that's the best way of saying we're all here together in the same building, um, because we want to grow closer to Christ. Mm-hmm. We want truth and beauty and goodness. Um, so we're all here together, and now let us challenge each other according to what we believe is the fullness of the truth. I I, I think that that that's a better way, and I don't I don't think any. I don't. I don't mean again. Maybe a few, but I, I. I doubt there's many Protestants, according um, to his question, many Protestants who have been converted um, to Catholicism, Orthodoxy, Byzantine Catholicism, um, because they just felt, you know, well, this is similar enough to mine, mm-hmm. and it's closer to my house. You know that that doesn't happen, right? right? They either feel more welcomed, which is the beginning. Or they, or they're more convicted, more, um, you know, authentically more convicted that 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 there is more truth here, maybe even the fullness of truth mm-hmm. in this way. And I think that's why we 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 need to be very careful watering things down so that there's an understanding of of the community where it can be, but also we all obviously believe that the way we do it, what we believe is best. So let us just show that, and everybody knows where they're going to be witnessing, trying to witness the best of, of what the other has to offer. So I, I think that, that the idea of challenge is a good thing depending upon the audience, of course, and, and where they are in, in this ecumenical dialogue. Yeah. Can I read something real quick? Sure, please. There's, this is like two paragraphs, and I apologize, but have you heard of this book, Mother Christ the Eternal Tao? Um, I don't think so. Are you gonna? I'm gonna ask gonna, you to talk, and I'm gonna put my boot myself. I hate when you do this. You're doing the thing again. Oh yeah, now he's just really excited. Um, I got to um, hold my nephew's pet snake the other day. Uh, his name is Spot. Um, so there is that, and I, I put a picture on our Instagram story, and a lot of people liked it. Um, are you? Is the phone done ringing? Can we unmute ourselves? Nope, it's still going. All right. Um, <laughs> I am so 
Sorry, <laughs> I thought it was done. It's not done. Um, I was trying to help you out. I am so proud of you. Like you started talking about something random right away. I know. Okay, can I read two paragraphs? I was just thinking the way that happened in my mind was because the last time you did this to me, except it was when you actually got up from the mic and walked away, it was because Georgia had fallen out of her, <laughs> fallen into the uh. trash can or something like that. So. No. Um, so, have you read this book, Christ the Eternal Tower? You've ever heard of it? I've not read it. Hiram I don't Damascene. think I've heard of it. Okay. Um, it, uh, Malachi Cho is like has been advertising it and saying everybody needs to read this book. So, um, anyway, it's um, he, here's. I just want to read two paragraphs from the foreword real quick because it, it applies to what we're saying. I, I read these this morning. Okay. Um, today, when thirty thousand people in China are becoming Christians every day, a number unprecedented in the history of the world. A growing number of people in the West are turning away from their Christian roots and becoming interested in ancient Chinese religion. Why is such a reversal taking place? Clearly, it is because many Chinese are now finding a true experience of Christ in the face of religious persecution by the communist government, while churches in the affluent free West are losing an awareness of the essence of Christ and his teaching. In modern Western society, many people turn away from the Christianity of their formative years because they find its truths smothered under an unreal kind of religiosity. They see that the people in the churches are not changing and becoming better, but rather are comforting themselves and each other in their unregenerate state. They find that the spirit of the Western churches is, at its core, little different from that of the world around them. Having removed Christianity, having removed from Christianity the cross of inward purification, these churches have replaced a direct intuitive apprehension of reality and a true experience of God with intellectualism on the one hand and emotionalism on the other. I could go on, but 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 it's what he's saying is that um we pretty much as I mentioned earlier, and I, I mentioned that because of this book, um, the intellectualism of our faith, in other words, knowing information about God and, and knowing, therefore, the truth that we can preach, and therefore we very clearly identify truthhood from falsehood, and then the emotionalism, the, the, the um, kind of self-help aspects of the church that just, I, I, I want to go somewhere that makes me feel better, makes me feel confident, makes me feel peaceful. Like all of these things that, that overemphasize the feelings, both of those can be found in other places other than the church, mm -hmm. both of those. And so people in the West who can find those things anywhere, especially being online, they're, they're walking away from the church. Um, whereas, the 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 direct as he mentions in here i'm kind of comparing this to what you said about a personal relationship with christ the direct experience of god that comes through virtue and and theosis undergoing that change that that is that involves the intellect it involves the emotions of course it does but but it those those are helps to that union with god mm -hmm. and 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 so many christians here in the west um, that's that's really our only our only experience of church is either one of those two things. You either follow these rules and think these things and 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 intellectually assent to these truths, or you you come because you like the singing mm -hmm. and the, the preaching makes you feel good. And and you know there are people around you that you love and that they love you. You know those are all nearly essential to a parish community. But 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 the, if if it ends there, you're completely missing the point of. Theosis, which is not only personal relationship with Christ, but communal relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. That's what needs to happen in that in that community. But um as as this goes on, I've only read now the foreword. Um 
but it's it's a great reflection upon what we and what he calls the affluent West, what we've lost because of our affluence and because of our um, insistence upon keeping our faith at that level of the intellect and the emotions. Did you just say and eating? Not keeping. What does that mean? K-E-E-P-I-N-G? A-E-E. Keeping? Yeah, I have no idea. I don't know that word. <laughs> we must be we must be having okay. <laughs> K-E-E-P-I-N-G. Oh. <laughs> keeping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing we're having technical difficulties. No, we're not. I just misheard you. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, so keeping. I, like, I don't know this word, keeping. <laughs> <laughs> so, so keeping, keeping our experience of God and the church and each other at one of those levels, or even at, at that level that is just so easy replicated by the devil, mm-hmm. that is so easily replaced by the world. Um, so I, I do think that, that there does need to be almost levels of ecumenism where on one sense we say we do start and only talk about the ways we're similar, mm-hmm. you know, even this book. So this book is all about Chinese, um, the understanding of the Tao mm-hmm. and, and, um, and what that is. And that can be translated according to Hieromonk Damascene, that can be translated to the word like the logos, the word of God. So in other words, what he, what I'm guessing what this book's going to do is going to compare pre-Christian China and the understanding of that philosophy to the word of God that came like 500 years after, after the, this concept was developed. Um, so anyway, so there, there does need to be that. Hey, look, look, the, the, the Chinese understanding of the Tao is very similar to the, the Christian understanding of the word, the word of God. Um, but you cannot stay there mm-hmm. because they are not equal, right? The, the word of God is, is truth incarnate. And the Tao is just a, a philosophy that, that, and, and it certainly involves truths that, that God put into the hearts of these pre-Christian pagans, um, to direct them to Christ. And, and, and that is still truth. It's just not the fullness mm-hmm. of truth. So anyway, there, there's a, there's a place for that. But then you, at the, at some point you need to, in the process, say no one is going to, no one wants to stop at it makes sense in my mind and it feels good. That is not close enough to Christ. Mm-hmm. It needs to develop further to, and this is why I think it's so hard in the West. We just do not how to fast. We do not know how to have a disciplined prayer life. We don't know how to give alms until it hurts, like the the you know the widow's mite. These are things that 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 actually forms us, conforms us to Christ in an irrational way that actually embraces pain rather than just emotional peace for the sake of sacrifice and therefore love. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i going to respond to that very briefly and then move on because there are a couple things I want to say about um, the actual topic will be the mini topic and that's fine, uh, <laughs> which I kind of suspected would happen with this because it's such a, a good topic that Kyle brought up. But the I, I want to, I didn't articulate this well at the beginning, but I want to clarify when I say personal relationship, I wasn't actually referring to personal relationship with Christ. That's usually what we mean in that uh, phrase. And obviously that's a part of it. But I mean like actually in ecumenism. With each other. Yeah, we need to have, It's. I think it's going to be a lot more about personal relationship with each other. It's like, okay, you meet these people at these ecumenical gatherings, but then it, it really to some degree needs to be a one-on-one encounter or a small group encounter or things like that because 
it's so, uh, you're right about the different levels, Father Michael, but in, in a group setting, it's hard to know which level people are at in that. And like, at what, like how deeply we can challenge and how deeply we can talk about differences and things like that, you know? And so I think the the personal encounter is so important because that's how we know where each person is at um, because we need to be striving to get to that point with everybody and not everybody's on the same page. Uh, and some people might need more time in a certain level of that ecumenism than other people, you know? And so those things are going to happen over over coffee and over um, and over Bible studies and over um, football games and over <laughs> game nights and over the fire pit after liturgy on Wednesday nights um, and then over the coffee social after liturgy and then eventually at liturgy itself and you know it's it's just such an individualized um, an individualized thing so. Uh, but I'd like to transition into, I think this is actually very related to the thing I wanted to talk about today, which is compassion. Because this is, I mean, this is something that we touch on a lot in a lot of different episodes, but it's really something I've been praying with a lot this last week in being on my home visit. Because, so I've been visiting, I mentioned on my prayer intention in the last one that um, my grandma, Gigi, my Gigi is uh, not doing well and she's in rehab. Um, and my, my dad and I were going to visit her every day and it was like really, really heartbreaking to be there with her in part because she's just very, very afraid. Um, and she's feels very alone and there's the problem of she's pretty advanced in her dementia at this point. And so she's actually having quite a bit of interaction with people throughout the day, but like she doesn't realize that because of her dementia. And so she thinks she's more alone than she actually is and so on and so forth. Um, and so it's been, so it's like hard to encounter her suffering and it's hard to see that and and to just feel totally helpless and <laughs> kind of impotent to, to alleviate that suffering at all. Um, but it's also really hard and frustrating because the facility that she's at, like, and you hear these stories all over the place, right, about nursing homes. And um, she's not in a nursing home. She's in a rehab uh, facility, but the rehab facility is, um, like, all older people. And um, you hear all of these stories about the neglect and the poor treatment and things like this. And you've shared, Father Michael, how how blessed <laughs> Um, y'all were that your grandma was with the little sisters of the poor who just took such tender care of her and, um, and up until, up until she died. And, um, this facility is just like, it's not great. (laughs) And, um, and it's, it's hard to watch just the apathy of a lot of workers there. And, and, you know, it's like if my dad and I asked for water for Gigi, it was like the the kind of vibes that were given off by um, the people who worked there were like, seriously, you're asking me to get her water? Like, I have better things to be doing with my time, <laughs> you know? And it's just like, it was just really heartbreaking. Um, and And there doesn't seem to be like another place to transfer her to. And so we're just doing our best to, to visit her every day and spend time with her and such. But um, 
So the reason I want to talk about compassion is because as the week went on and it started out just like me being really, really frustrated with the people who worked there and um, how can they not care? Like she's, she's 80 and she's scared and she's alone and so on and so forth. And I'm so frustrated with them. Uh, but then as time went on, it kind of morphed into like a great pity for the people who worked there of um, like what kind of interior state must they be in to just not even be moved by the fact that this woman is suffering so deeply? Uh, what have they seen? What have they had to harden themselves to in order to not even be moved by the fact that this person is suffering? And yeah. and I, you know, I've continued to to pray about that with just like different family members that I've seen on this home visit who are just really apathetic about a lot of things in life. And um, and just realizing that we're very good, not just as Christians, but just as people in the world, like we're very good at having compassion on the people with the obvious external suffering. You know, like, oh, this person's dying of cancer and they have young kids. And that's like, you know, it's very easy to have compassion for those things. Uh, but we're not so good at having compassion for the internal, the more interior sufferings. Um, and I'm like, at least like Gigi has my dad and she has me and she has my mom and she, you know, um, but, and, and she still needs her compassion, right? Like all of those people, like the person dying of cancer who has the young kids, even with a strong faith, like they still need our compassion. But we also need to to have compassion for those who have such interior suffering or or have such little openness to Christ that the exterior is hard for us to encounter. Because um, it's easy for us to just be frustrated with people and write them off and not even consider what's going on on the inside that's making them, um, not making, there's choice, but that's kind of um, fostered this apathy or, uh, or whatever it is that we're encountering that, that we don't like. And I think this is true. You know, one of the most obvious applications of this is like people who are criminals, um, especially those of like the most horrendous crimes. You know, um, I remember when I, when I lived in Aurora, when I lived in Colorado and, um, and then when I heard about, I was in Kansas City at the time that it happened, but I heard about the Batman shooting, and which was kind of one of those earlier mass shootings. Um, and um, and like that's the movie theater where I would go sometimes when I was in high school and things. And I, I remember thinking after that happened, like when it turned out that this was premeditated and the guy was like planning it for a while and so on and so forth. Um, I think I might be conflating different shootings, but regardless, uh, when I heard about a shooting like that, I remember just thinking, man, this is like a horrible situation for the victims and for their families. And, but like, what about the shooter? Like, I can't even imagine, I can't fathom what, kind of darkness someone is living in in order to think through everything that they're about to do to know that the the lives that they're going to take and the 
subsequent lives that are going to be (laughs) forever disturbed. Um, And because of it, like all of the, you know, the ripple effect of all of the people who will be hurt because of this, I can't imagine like thinking through all of that day in and day out and then just like going and doing it. And, And what kind of state of mind is that person in? And like, we need compassion there too. You know, the word compassion literally... Um, means to suffer with, right? It's got the the word passion in there, like the passion of Christ. It's it's to suffer with them, mm-hmm. um, and and I say all of that. This is the I'll just wrap up with this, and then whatever thoughts you have on it, Father Michael. But I say all of that, not not meaning that like criminals shouldn't receive, <laughs> um, like shouldn't go through the the justice system, shouldn't like go to prison, shouldn't you know, like we we need the consequences. Um, but we, we're also called to like love in the midst of that. And, um, and, you know, like having compassion for the workers at this facility, um, that my grandma's at doesn't mean that we're not supposed to say, Hey, y'all need to step up and take care of this woman and like increase her, you know, like all of these things. And, um, so I don't mean compassion means we don't act. We don't try to change the situation, nor do I mean compassion means we don't challenge, but like we can suffer with the person in the midst of that challenge because this is one of those words that's been like so, so distorted in society today because like it's kind of like compassion means we feel sorry for someone and so we let them do whatever they want to do um, or we let happen whatever the thing is that's making them suffer. Um, like, and like compassion doesn't mean to just let people do what they want to do, nor does it even mean alleviating the suffering. Sometimes it means just like suffering with them and suffering through it with them. And, um, and also challenging them, uh, in the midst of it, if the suffering is of their own choice. And, you know, I just, I remember like, um, I don't remember if I've talked about this on the podcast before because I probably have decided that I shouldn't share it on the podcast, but I'm sharing it now. Uh, But I remember a time in college long before I was a nun. Everyone on the podcast, please know this was years before I was a nun. Um, Like I had way too much to drink one night. And then the next day I am completely miserable and totally hungover. And I just like want to throw up and my head is throbbing and all of that. And I went to liturgy. Um, and I don't remember why I think because my boyfriend was there and I wanted to see him, but like, whatever the thing is, I went to liturgy and I stayed in the back. I just sat on the floor and I didn't receive communion and all of that. And then like, we go out to lunch afterwards and father Michael, you were just like, Oh, you poor thing. I'm so sorry. You feel bad. And you're like, can I, can I just buy you some, like, if you don't want to eat, can I at least buy you something to drink? Do you want some, some seltzer water? Do you want some crackers? Do you want some, and you're just like pouring out all of this affection. And I'm just like, so annoyed by it. And because I'm like, this is my fault. Like this is, these are the consequences that I have to deal with. And so finally, after like so many attempts to make me feel better, I was just like, Father Michael, you don't understand. I'm sick because I'm hungover. And you're just like, you look at me like, um, I know. <laughs> and you're just like, you're like, I'm not stupid. I know you're hungover. <laughs> and, um, and you were like, but I'm still, I'm still sorry that you're not feeling well. 
Uh, and it was like this really beautiful instance for me of, I knew that no part of you condoned the amount that I'd had to drink. And I knew that you were not saying that I should go and do that again. <laughs> you know, you were just saying that like, it's it's hard to see someone suffer even when they're suffering because of their own choices. Um, yeah, that's what I got. Amen. I also think that the the misplaced compassion, the way that we've we've twisted the idea of compassion um, to euthanasia, which is like that's already raging in Canada. It's raging in some U.S. states. Um, mercy killing. Um, you know. I have compassion on someone um, because either they just want to die in the moment, which I think any of us in that much pain would would say that we don't we're not free to choose life at that point. We are we are um, bound because of our pain um, to to only see one solution. I think many of us have been there in that moment, and we thank God that we didn't go through with it. When we come out of it, it's just you know it was because of the circumstances that we were there. Um, most of the time, not all the time, of course, but, um, and then also at, at, at its most evil would be like, I have decided for somebody else that the compassionate thing to do to them is to take their mm -hmm. life. Like mm -hmm. that, that's, that's abortion. You know, when, when, when people say, well, who, who would want to raise a child into this situation? You know, it's, it's like, you don't get to decide what, what's good for that child and what's not. I mean, if you're a mom or a dad, sure, like, like you should have a say in that, but, but you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't say it's better for this child not to live than to grow up in this situation. Like that, that's, that's just a, that's a, a arrogance, um, that, that is obviously very, very harmful, um, at, at its, at its root. Um, but also, um, this is kind of the examples you gave. These are great, instances of the challenge I was talking about earlier mm -hmm. in, in the mini topic that like we like one of the things that the church has to offer the world that the way that the church is different than the world and is beyond intellectualism or emotionalism is in the fact that okay where in a again this is overly simplistic but is it better to be the victim of neglect or to be the one neglecting mm -hmm. is it better to be grandmother who's who's a victim of the neglect of the workers mm. or to be the workers who are neglecting her. Mm -hmm. It's it's much better to be the grandma, although m very few people would, would understand mm -hmm. that because it looks like there's more suffering, but there's a hidden evil in in those who are neglecting that is much more damaging. This is the this is the death that Christ says Adam and Eve are gonna die. Mm -hmm. This is this is the death of the spiritual death rather than the physical death. And this is the, you know, would you rather walk again or have your sins forgiven? A good Christian would always say, my, I'd rather have my sins forgiven. You know, that, that, that's a much more debilitating thing that's hidden rather than the more obvious debilitating thing. And, and that, that challenge is, is the whole point that, that, that's where we can say the, this is how a Christian looks at the world. Even if not Christians, not all Christians do that. Um, but this is, this is the ideal that we are looking for within our Christianity. And this is what we have to offer. The world. This is this is our ecumenism. This is our, you know. Look, we we we're draw, we want to to offer to you what we've received. We're not living it out. We're messy. We're sinners too. We have not fully embraced this individually, but we definitely see this as a good thing, and 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 want to in, invite you into the same struggle that we are now going in in the challenges that I not only assent to that reality that it's better to be neglected than to be neglectful. 
but I actually am able to live that out and witness to it in in my own martyrdom, in my own, you know, mm-hmm. my own witness. Um, they mean the same thing, witness and martyrdom. So yeah, so I, I think that that's that that's a great example of of uh, taking a concept like compassion or tolerance or mercy and making sure that that the that our definition of those things are different than the world's definition and we need to be very strong on those things because the spirit's there and will will move those who are created in god's image and likenesses especially those who are baptized into christ will be drawn to that truth no matter how long they fight mm-hmm. it but but there's a truth there that that all children of god are are essentially drawn to and the spirit makes that happen yeah yeah. Um, all right. I. Hmm. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm ready to wrap up with with prayer intentions after our spiel. Uh, if that's okay with you, Father Michael. Um, mm-hmm. And is that cool? Do you have anything else to say? No. Okay. Um, we gotta get back on the road and head back towards the monastery. So, uh, but. Um, so, Mom, you can be thinking of a prayer intention as well because I'll let you give one. Um, we are on all of the podcast platforms. And if you're listening to us on iTunes, that's not what it's called. What's it called? Apple, Apple Podcasts. If you're listening to this to us on Apple podcast, Podcasts, please rate and review because that's very helpful in spreading the word about our podcast. Um, and... You can email us whatgodisnotpodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, whatgodisnot.com. Our nonprofit uh, is Fotina, P-H-O-Tina.org. And you can support that nonprofit through Patreon, um, which is how we pay for the podcast. It's also, we use some of the money for the poor, some for the church, some to support other ministries for evangelization. You can, um, Father Michael's on Twitter at Padre Michael O. We have a Goodreads page, which our media team does a great job of maintaining. Uh, they do all the work. Father Michael and I do none of it, um, pretty much in life. And um, I think those are all the things. Did I say Instagram? Maybe I said Instagram. Facebook. Uh, I don't know. All the normal social social media things, except TikTok. We're not on TikTok. Is TikTok still a thing? Thank God. Okay. Yes. Uh, and I think that's I think that's it for the spiel. Uh, prayer intention. I'm going to ask you to pray for. Um, please pray for. You know, one of the family members that I saw in this visit um, is the kind who's like. Um, doesn't really care anything about religion. And in fact, when he sees me, he usually just wants to say all of the inflammatory things. Uh, and he didn't on this trip, praise God. But um, when he does that, the temptation is to just get angry and to just get defensive. Um, and he's actually the kind who needs like the utmost compassion because um, deep down he can't possibly be happy. And... uh so think of, think of the people like that in your life who you really just want to be um, angry at, who maybe are deep down miserable people. And um, maybe to foster some compassion for them, spend this week praying for two or three of those people. So that's my, my prayer request. And you can throw my anonymous 
family member in there as well. Uh, yeah. Mom, prayer intention? Um, I'd like to have a prayer intention for Katrina and Juan and their family. They're expecting their fourth child in February. And oh, then wow. within a month after that, she has to transfer her family from Connecticut all the way to Washington um, with four children. So prayer intentions for them, please. Juan's a listener, too, and he's really great. So um, Katrina's also really great. Maybe Juan's greater because he's a listener. I'm just kidding. Just Whoa. kidding. <laughs> Thought of my goal, pray intention. Um, I'm going to ask you to pray for my parishioners here in Sherman Oaks. Um, it has rained so, so much, pretty much three weeks solid. Um, and this has manifested a lot of water damage around um, around the property. And so um, we were waiting for results from an inspector and we should, I should have those actually within like an hour coming back. Um, but just, just pray that the results are, are doable and, and will be helpful for whatever the water damage has caused that we can, we can respond to that quickly and get it fixed. Awesome. Thank you. Um, well, great being with you, Father Michael. And I look forward to listening to two more podcasts that um, you did without me. I'm really they were so great. Amen. I'm just also. It's like funny. I don't know why I don't realize this when we're recording, but when I listened, I was like, "Wow, Father Michael has a really deep voice." Um, like you, have, you have a great <laughs> podcasting voice. So no. good. Thank you. Thank God for that. Not me. Yeah. Actually, the next one will be interesting because I do it with my brother Joseph. Is his voice? His and voice so is even deeper has, than yours, right? It yeah. is. It's very similar. I, I think people will be confused about who's who. So oh. when they hear me talk about my wife, they, they may be a little bit scandalized, but yeah, it's <laughs> Joseph with his wife. Yeah, <laughs> I could I could see that because um, when I when I've talked to him on the phone before, I'm like, it's very yeah, it's very strange. Um, so, um, great. Well, good to see you guys. Love you, Father Michael. Love you, Mom. Love you too, sweetie. Love you too. All right, Father Michael, can you please give us a blessing? Absolutely. May the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, have mercy on you. May our Lord give you every good thing, help you to always be a learner, a perceiver of God's word, especially in the ways that the devil have twisted the meanings of some of God's most beautiful concepts like compassion and mercy and tolerance. May you be open to the true definition of those words and everything and may even more importantly, you ask for and receive the grace to carry out those things that are ultimately of God, but that he gives to us to, to live out within his body, the body of Christ. Um, may you always desire and find fruit in being challenged um, to live this cross and this resurrection of this life. And through all of these aspects and embracings of faith, May our Lord give you every good thing, even the salvation of your soul. May the Lord bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.